If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 65 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, September 27th, 2020. Now let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on, guys. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature. Yapping Yankees. Also follow the main man behind the website, Darren on Twitter at Yankee Report 28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees every week as well and stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. You can follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY, follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero, and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. Well, guys, this is it. In just a couple of hours from now, as I'm recording, the Yankees will play their final game of this shortened 60-game season against the Marlins. Game number 60. And as we said when the season started, if all 60 games are to be played, since the virus had everything up in the air, but as we said when it all started, we'll blink and we'd be right here at the end of the season. And what do you know? We blinked and here we are. Game 60 episode 65 of Yapping Yankees, and the playoffs start on Tuesday in just two short days. It really is hard to believe that we're already here. And you know something? Piggybacking off of me saying if all 60 games are played, it's pretty incredible that they were able to make it the whole way, with the season being threatened a couple of times towards the beginning, if you remember, because of the COVID outbreaks on the Marlins and the Cardinals, and there was doubt that even if they did make it through, not every team may be able to play all 60 of their games, especially if more outbreaks continue to happen, because where are you going to fit in the games with the limited schedule they already had? I mean, as we remember, although we were obviously hoping that the season could be completed from the start, of course, it was never a guarantee because of the virus. But between better fortune with the virus, no more outbreaks happening, and a lot of doubleheaders, <laughs> this never-before-seen season, with uncharted waters and no guarantees every step of the way, is going to be completed tomorrow with all teams playing the intended 60 games. So, they did it. We've made it. And with no guarantees along the way, that is pretty incredible. And although the process was insufferable to get it back all those months ago, we got baseball back, and they were able to get in all the games that they wanted to play. So I think that's definitely worth reflecting on. But this past week, since we spoke last Sunday, as far as the Yankees specifically are concerned, this past week has 
definitely had its ups and downs, to say the least. I mean, as we'll talk about in a little bit, this whole season has had its ups and downs. But this past week, I think it's safe to say there were more downs than ups. But as far as positives, let's focus on the positives for a second. Yesterday's game basically sealed the deal with DJ winning the batting title in this shortened season after going 4 for 5 yesterday, resulting in him also being the first player in modern history, which is since 1900, 120 years to win the batting title in both the National and the American Leagues. And to put the cherry on the cake for that, he could also very well, after today, finish with the best batting average in the major leagues this season. And even though it's not your ordinary season this year, that is an incredible accomplishment. And in case you don't know, DJ won his National League batting title back in 2016 when he was with the Rockies. So again, just another accomplishment on his resume to show just how important he is to this organization. We've said it many times. This team simply would not have been what it's been these last two seasons without DJ LeMahieu. It's as simple as that. And speaking of guys making a big difference for the Yankees, Luke Voigt, the warrior who has been here for this team all season long through thick and thin, foot stuff and all, also solidified himself as the Major League Baseball home run leader with his league-leading 22nd home run yesterday. So again, although it's a season unlike any other, through all the craziness, the Yankees have both the American League batting champion and baseball's home run leader in DJ and Voight, respectively. So that's not too shabby. As far as other positives from this past week, the Yankees also had a great game on Tuesday, the only good game in Buffalo this past week against the Jays, in what was otherwise an awful series there, yet again. They have just played terribly, terribly in Buffalo this year. Hopefully, they never have to see that place again, other pandemics permitting, of course. And one more positive, the second half of yesterday's game was great. Those are basically the positives. But on the other hand... Last week when I spoke to you, the Yankees hadn't lost once since the episode before that. They were in the midst of their 10-game winning streak. Now, since last week, before yesterday, the Yankees had only won once. And I'm not taking away from yesterday's win. It was great. And it was also important as far as trying to nail down the fifth seed is concerned. Especially since the Jays beat the Orioles last night, so Game 60 later on today will determine who wins second place in the AL East and the fifth seed in the American League. All the Yankees need to do is win, and they would clinch second place in the East and the fifth seed in the American League. But again, on last week's episode... If you remember, the Yankees had not lost a game since days before the episode from the week before that. And this week, that definitely changed. Because before yesterday afternoon's game, they had only won once since the last time I spoke to you last week. So on the contrary to the Yankees' hot gameplay we had heading into last week's episode in this ever so turbulent and streaky season with this inconsistent Yankee team, as of this past week... This team had made even more errors on defense, totaling 47 after Friday night's infuriating game. 47 errors in 58 games. And adding on one more yesterday, making it 48 in 59 games. That is embarrassing. And a lot of the time, the plays are very routine. Easy ground balls to Glaber, booted or throwing the ball away. And I love Glaber. I'm a Glaber lover, but I've got to call him out. He's been bad at shortstop this year. 
He's been brutal at shortstop. He's got, what, nine errors this season? In a season with only 60 games that he actually missed a portion of because of landing on the IL for a little while. And game 60 hasn't even happened yet at the time I'm recording. He could have another error today for all we know. So he has just been bad at shortstop. That's just the truth. And throughout his time in the minors, that was said to be his natural position. And a chunk of the errors have come from him alone. Nine, as I just said before. Even something like a botched rundown by Higashioka Friday night. And even very, very rare mistakes by Gio or DJ, who get passes because of how good they are in general. But still, my point remains. Aaron Hicks also seemingly regressing on defense this year, which was always considered to be one of his strengths. And it's not even really his arm that's so much of the problem, which would be understandable at the very least because of his Tommy John surgery. But I even spoke about it on Twitter too. His defense seems to have regressed this year, and everyone seemed to agree with me. Doesn't seem to be putting in the same effort. He doesn't seem to be seeing the ball that well, not taking good routes. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this. And again, attribute it to it being the weird season that it is, but he seems to have regressed in many ways. And also Voight at first at times, since we know he definitely has his days defensively. He'll also have his flashy plays at times too, but he'll botch routine plays as well. So the defense has been Little League-esque at times, to put it bluntly. And I know they're humans, they're not perfect but I don't need to tell you how brutal their defense is at times. You see it for yourself. It can just be completely awful. That's just the truth. I'm just telling it like it is. You also have your days where the offense just completely dies. And at times, they even forget their strongest method of scoring, the home run. And although I wish the Yankees would play some more small ball in general, maybe incorporate it just a little bit more, but you know that if they're not even hitting their home runs on top of that, then they're in trouble. They went six days, I believe, without a home run. Until, guess who? Tyler Wade broke that streak yesterday with a two-run nuke. Which also seemed to revive the offense yesterday. Who would have thought Tyler Wade would be the catalyst? But the list just goes on and on. And then when the offense isn't dead, they murder like they did in the second half of yesterday's game. So the point I'm trying to make here is you just don't know what you're going to get a lot of the time. This is an extremely streaky team, which led to a mostly rough week after what was a fantastic week and a half just as recently as a week ago when we spoke last, as you remember. So just like the year 2020, with the exception of me brilliantly predicting the 10-game winning streak, can't forget about that, of course, so many things have been unpredictable and unforeseen this year, whether it be good or bad. This team has just been so inconsistent. From the 16-6 and six start to the season, to like three weeks of insufferable Yankees baseball when they went 5-15, and 15, followed by a week and a half of godly Yankees baseball with a 10-game winning streak up until last Sunday against Boston, now capped off by mostly awful Yankee baseball again up until yesterday when the team seemed to have awakened yet again, dropping 11 runs on the Marlins. So yes, as you can hear, it has been streaky. And although I prefer to be optimistic, which I will be, come the playoffs, it really is hard to tell which Yankee team we're going to get come the postseason because of the fact that they're streaky and because this is going to be a postseason unlike any we've ever seen before. And because, well, as we know, when the playoffs come around, everyone is 0-0. And although it's always nice to take good momentum into the playoffs, what happened in the regular season is irrelevant come the playoffs. Anything can happen. That's basically known as the crapshoot theory, as many of you know, which I know some don't believe in, but I tend to, especially because it's 2020, basically the most unpredictable year uh, ever. (laughs) So that's basically why, although there are things to yell about from this past week, and I might get a little fired up about some things in weekly recap later on, but while there may be some things to yell about from this past week, 
One, despite it being one game, there are positives to take away from yesterday. And two, the playoffs are a clean slate. As I said earlier, anything can happen. And speaking of the playoffs, again, it's just two days away with the American League wildcard series starting on Tuesday. And with it being so close, it has people talking, debating, and wondering just how far our Yankees could get this postseason. Whether they get wiped out right away in the best of three wildcard series this week, and obviously depending on what happens today. At the time I'm recording this, we still don't know who the Yankees are even playing in the first round because if the Yankees lose to the Marlins today and the Blue Jays, who are only a game behind the Yankees, win against the Orioles, then the Yankees and the Blue Jays will tie in their record and the Blue Jays get the tiebreaker. They will jump back up to the fifth seed where the Yankees are right now and the Yankees will drop to eighth and have to play Tampa Bay in Tropicana Field for the best of three wildcard series. Because the first seed plays the eighth seed and Tampa is in the first seed and if the Yankees were to fall to eighth, then they would have to play Tampa. But if the Yankees win today and if they do win, it doesn't matter what the Blue Jays do, but if the Yankees win, they will hold on to the fifth seed and play the Indians or the White Sox in the first round, depending on what happens with their games too. And if the Yankees and the Blue Jays lose, the Yankees would also remain in the fifth seed. I should also mention that. Therefore, their opponent would still be either the White Sox or the Indians in that case, whichever team officially ends up finishing as the fourth seed. So the Yankees are the fifth seed right now, and the only way that that could change is them going down to the eighth seed if the Yankees were to lose and the Blue Jays to win today. Otherwise, the Yankees will finish as the fifth seed. I know, it's a lot. It really is. Especially if you already happen to be a person that's already confused with this whole seeding thing to begin with. So as of right now, while I'm recording this, we don't even know who the Yankees' opponent is in the first round. Obviously you do, because again, you're either listening to this later tonight, as today's game has already ended, or maybe later on in the week when you already, for a while now, know who the Yankees' opponent is. It's hard to believe that for a while, even up to last week's episode, the Twins were lined up to be the Yankees' opponent, but that goes to show you why I didn't go so nuts over the way the seeding was on last week's episode, because as I said, inside of a week leading up to today, Today's episode, a lot can happen in the seating and things could be very different. And there were a few things that did change after all, like the Twins taking over the AL Central for starters and getting the second seed now. But in any event, people are talking about how far they think the Yankees could get in these never-before-seen expanded playoffs this year. Is the wild card round as far as they would go? the ALDS afterwards, or the ALCS after that, or even the World Series and possibly bring number 28 home. So quite frankly, what better time is there to have a poll question about that very question? I would say none. So with that being said, we'll do this week's poll, this past week's news, and then recap all the action from this final week of this season. All right. For this week's poll question, I asked you if the Yankees do in fact clinch the fifth seed, How far do you think they'll go in the playoffs if you had to say? And as I said before, obviously right now, as they did last week, the Yankees have possession of the fifth seed headed into today's action. And if they were to hold that... How far do you think they would go in the playoffs? And I gave you four choices. The first one being just the wild card round. The second one being the ALDS. The third one being the ALCS. And the fourth one being the World Series slash winning it all. And I know, as I said before, this is a really tough question. Because for all the reasons I named before, from the Yankees being streaky to this being a postseason unlike that of any we've seen before, the seeding isn't 100% official going into action today. And because, of course, along the way in the playoffs, playoffs, lots of things could happen that we didn't see coming that could definitely change the outcomes of certain things. That happens plenty in the playoffs. 
So given all of those factors and more, this is a tough question. But just as of now, if you had to say, how far do you think they would go? It's just a prediction, and as of now, there are no right or wrong answers. And you know what? As I said before, despite the mostly bad gameplay from this past week, I'm going to say, hey, they got all that out before the playoffs. They're going to turn it back around and hit another hot streak heading into the playoffs this week. And you know what? Screw it. They're going to win the World Series. That's what I'm going to say. Despite the craziness of this year, at the start of this 60-game season, I predicted that the Yankees would win the World Series, and I'm going to stay consistent with that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect, and nobody's always right. But I am staying consistent and believing in this team to turn it back around and continue the hot gameplay that we saw yesterday and take that momentum all the way through to the end. But they've got to cut out their silly mistakes and their defensive blunders and their inconsistent gameplay. And they've just got to go out there and play the great brand of baseball that we know they could. Because too many of those boneheaded mistakes that we've been seeing lately and the streaky gameplay, that usually never garners good results in October, as we well know. Especially in a quick three-game set like that of the Wild Card Series. Which, by the way... If the Yankees do make it past, they're not going to be an easy team to beat. I do truly think that. If they make it past the wild card round, if they make it past that three-game series, they are not going to be easy to take down. So I'm being very optimistic. As far as all of you who voted on Twitter, it does look like a good amount of you are taking the path of optimism as well, because out of all four of the choices, the fourth and final choice, the World Series slash winning it all, was victorious. 39% of you, out of the hundreds of votes who came in, voted that they would make it to or win the World Series. So again, a lot of you erring on the side of optimism and saying that the Yankees will be bringing home number 28 this year. But then the second choice, on the other hand, happens to be just the wild card round, and 28% of you voted for that. So that came in second place amongst the voting results. So a lot of you also think that they're just going to lose right away in the wild card round in the best of three. Then in third, with 21% of the vote, was the ALDS, best of five, of course, as we know. And then finally, in fourth, in the results of voting, with 12% of the vote, was the ALCS. So most of you think that they could make it to the World Series or even go all the way and win it. Or on the other hand, completely, you think that they'll just get eliminated right away in the wildcard round. And from the time I'm recording now, there's still about an hour left of voting time. So those results could slightly change maybe. But as of now, those are what the numbers look like. But let's hear your thoughts down below in the replies on Twitter. We'll probably read about 10 to 15 as per usual. And then we'll read a couple over on Instagram. First up, we have at TeganGram23 here on Twitter, and he has a very long reply spanning over a couple of tweets, so I'll read it. But Tegan says, do not overreact about these late inconsistencies. The 2000 Yankees finished the year on a seven-game losing streak and lost 13 of the last 15 games. Teams can get hot and teams can get cold at the snap of a finger in the playoffs. Everyone is healthy right now, and they will come through. Also, we have an absolute animal starting our games 1 and 5 or 6, depending on the day. Let's stay strong because we made it to the ALCS in 2017 against a cheating team without Cole, the 2020 batting title champ, the 2020 home run champ, and now Chapman has a splitter and a sinker. Britain has never looked better, and Chad Green will be clutch. Postseason Tanaka will be in full season this year since it is his last potential year with the Yanks. The American League is wide open. If we make it to the World Series, you best believe we're winning it. Stay strong, fans. We got this. (laughs) Well, if you're erring on the side of optimism, 
The answers don't get much better and much more detailed than that. I mean, I agree, Tegan. If you're erring on the side of optimism, then the year 2000 is definitely a good example to look back on and how cold the Yankees were at the end of that year, yet they went on to beat the Mets that year in the World Series in five games. And also, yeah, of course, they have plenty of assets on this 2020 team that they did not have in years in the past, like 2017, when they made it all the way to Game 7 of the ALCS. As you said, they didn't have Cole, they didn't have DJ, they didn't have Voight, and they're all very key aspects to the team, and we didn't have any of them against a team who knew what pitch was coming. And now we have Green, Britton, and Chapman at the back end of that bullpen. I do include Adovino too, but of course we know this has not been his best year by any stretch of the imagination and you hope he can figure it all out. But as far as the other three, Green being as great as he is, always coming through in the clutch. Of course, you have Zach Britton looking really good this year, maybe just with the exception of a couple of outings, but hey, he's a human being. That's going to happen sometimes. And yes, as you mentioned, a role this Chapman seemingly adding two more pitches to his arsenal, which makes him even more intimidating to face now, if that even were possible from before. Obviously it is. Because that splitter, that off-speed cheese, oh my god. That looks filthy, the way he's used it so far. And yeah, we all know postseason Tanaka could be even more motivated since it is his last year on that contract, but I do think he's coming back for the record. But the fact that it is his last year on that contract could motivate him even more. Also, if Hap stays hot, if we get around to seeing Davey Garcia, hopefully he continues to be good. He had a great bounce back start yesterday. So yeah, there are a lot of positives, and as I said before, and I truly do feel this way, if you let these Yankees get past that three-game series, the wild card series, I think they're going to be really tough to take down, especially if they hit a hot streak. Because when they're hot, and when they're at full health like they are right now, the Yankees are dangerous. But of course, there's the other side of it with their inconsistencies, their streaky gameplay, and sometimes they just look like a team that straight up forgets how to even play baseball. So again, it's complicated. Anything can happen in the playoffs, but I do love the optimism, Tegan, and you make some really, really good points. At Laker 477 says, as a diehard Yankee fan, I say they're going to win it all. Yes, they have been extremely inconsistent, lackadaisical, and uninspired recently, but I will not panic. New York Yankees 2020 champions. And yeah, hey, there have been times where they do look really, really ugly out there, and it's okay to acknowledge that. You're telling it like it is but I do love the optimism I've been hearing so far. At Laura underscore Icemont says, I'm going to be more optimistic than I have been recently and say that they will make it to the ALCS. Sure, they've been inconsistent lately, but I'm still confident that they'll get into October mode at the right time. All right, and yeah, I do agree. They could very well make it to the ALCS, and if they do, as I said before, I'll stick to what I said. They should really be a tough team to take down. Let's keep moving right along here. Up next, we have my friend Thomas on Twitter, at TJT Winning here. And Thomas says, as a Yankee fan, I want them to go all the way. If they play like the second half of today's game, which of course Thomas means yesterday's game because these polls come out on Saturday. But he said, if they play like the second half of today's game, then they can do it. However, if they continue to be inconsistent, then sadly they will be eliminated. Well, yeah, as I said before, you know, you could have your bad days in the playoffs. It happens to the best of teams. But if the inconsistency goes on too long, then yeah, you're likely going to be eliminated. That cannot be tolerated for long in the playoffs, especially in a quick three-game series, as I said before. There's not a lot of time to iron out those problems. So yeah, you have to hope they get more consistent. End things on a victory today in the final game against the Marlins, and then go into the playoffs with more consistency. Next, we have Rebecca at Peace Now for Life, and Rebecca says, as a diehard Yankee fan, I have to be optimistic and say that they will go all the way and win the World Series. Postseason is Yankee season. 
I love the optimism. Love it. At Dwight Rodwell is up next, and Dwight says, I'm going to be confident enough to say that the Yankees will go deep into the postseason despite how they're looking at the end of the regular season now. I don't know how far they will go, but I am going to enjoy the ride regardless of how it turns out. Nevertheless, I hope they make it as far as the Fall Classic, if not winning it all this year. Well, yeah, this ought to be a ride ahead of us, just like this has been a season unlike that of any we've ever seen before. This is definitely sure to be a postseason unlike that of any we've seen before. As I said at the start of the show, every step of the way this year has been uncharted waters, no guarantees, and not like anything we've ever seen. So it's going to be fun, and it should be interesting, and of course, like you, I hope the Yankees go all the way. My good friend Tina at MountainGal456 says, The New York Yankees will step up. World Series, here we come. I love it. We got a whole lot of optimism here in the comments so far. At MB underscore 923 says, it all could depend on who they play in the LDS. Well, yeah, of course, and a lot of it's up in the air right now because, again, as of today, before action begins today on Sunday, we still don't even know 100% who the Yankees are facing in the wildcard round, so anything can happen. We obviously don't have any final answers before today's game is played. You have the answer as you're probably listening to this later tonight or later on in the week, but as of right now, as I'm recording before game time here on Sunday, we don't even know who they're facing in the wild card round, so anything can happen. But that's the fun of this question. You're just making a prediction and there are no right or wrong answers. But yes, every step of the way in the playoffs, it always depends what happens where and when, and that's what makes it tough, but fun to predict. Then we have Anthony at Rocco's Dad 1, and Anthony says, who knows with this squad? So many high highs and low lows with not a lot in between. It's hard to figure. Just glad we got a chance to see baseball this year. Everything else is gravy. And hey, I have echoed that sentiment a lot myself here on the show, on social media, and everywhere. At the very least, no matter what happens, given the circumstances and everything that has happened in this awful year, of course, I too am just grateful that we got baseball as well. Absolutely agree with that. But yeah, you're echoing a lot of what other comments have said too. Their inconsistency just has you not knowing. And yeah, it's tough to know, again, especially because we also don't even know who their opponent is in the wildcard round yet. But that's a part of the predicting game. At NYYFanForever96 says, They need to show me the consistency in the postseason. No errors on defense good pitching, good offense with runners in scoring position, and that will all equal a World Series win. But as of right now with the inconsistency, just the wild card round. All right, I'd say that's pretty fair. And with a lot of other fans, they probably feel the same way. The Yankees have something to prove to them. And hopefully, of course, in the playoffs, they can prove that consistency. Up next is Barry at Yanks Bar says, If they get past the wild card round, they're the best team in the American League. Three-game series is a crapshoot, though. Yeah, absolutely it is, and I've said that already, and I completely agree, and I also completely agree with the fact that if they get past this wild card round, they're going to be damn hard to beat, and they're probably the best team in the American League, especially if they're on a hot streak. So I happen to agree with you, Barry. All right, let's just do a few more. At Valario says, I remember all the games the Yankees lost going into the 2000 series. Sometimes it can take just a little spark to set a team back. Really excited about the future of Garcia and Smith, as they could be our springboard to the fifth spot. Well, yes, another good reference back to the 2000 season. That is definitely true. And by Smith, I think you meant Schmidt, Clark Schmidt. But yeah, as far as him and David Garcia especially, who has shown such great things this season at such a young age, I definitely see Garcia playing a huge role with the team, both potentially in the postseason and in the future. And Clark Schmidt too, who is starting today's final game against the Miami Marlins 
Jones, and it could be a potential audition to have a postseason role, maybe. It could result in him having a playoff role, perhaps a long relief role out of the bullpen. I don't know. We'll see. But we have definitely gotten to see much more of Davey Garcia. And if the Yankees do make it past the wild card round, then he should have a pretty big role in the postseason as probably a number four starter. Because as we've spoken about, if a game three is necessary in the first round, you'll probably be seeing Jay Happ out there on the mound for the Yankees. Alan Rosenthal at BicycleMan0402 says, This team is inconsistent, period. The infield defense is horrendous. Their best players are constantly hurt. They don't have quality starting pitching except for their number one. What have I missed? Oh, the catcher sucks. Well, listen, Gary certainly has not had a good season. He has had some really good moments here towards the end of the season, but of course, for most of the season, Gary Sanchez, honestly, Gary defender or not, and I have defended Gary a lot in the past, I really have, but Gary defender or not, Gary Sanchez was horrible for the vast majority of this season, and that's just the truth. But hopefully he can take those hot moments into the playoffs. As far as the team's inconsistencies, we've spoken all about that, I agree, and that needs to be corrected. But as far as starting pitching, obviously you gave credit to Garrett Cole. I do have confidence in Tanaka in the postseason and imagine him dialing it up even more this year since it could potentially be his last year with the Yankees. I don't think it will be, but it could be. So I believe in him and I believe that's what Tegan said earlier in their replies and I happen to completely agree with that. Especially with Tanaka getting all nostalgic on Instagram with those posts about him remembering when he signed with the Yankees and that free agency is coming up. So I think we'll also get postseason Tanaka this year even on another level. But that's just what I think. What do I know? It could go totally the the other way of what I'm saying, but that's the fun of predicting. All right, let's finish off here on Twitter with Ron Fodor at Fodor underscore Ron. And Ron says, Yankee fans always want our team to win the World Series, but just like 2020, the Yankees are producing some very unexpected results. Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, and Torres, and extremely inconsistent pitching. Not a recipe for a World Series winner. They should beat Cleveland, maybe. Well, Cleveland's a tough opponent. And by the way, yes, definitely some unexpected results. And hopefully they turn the inconsistencies around and hopefully Judge and Stanton find their stride. Sanchez can take his hot moments into the playoffs and continue on with that. Because although Sanchez has been mostly brutal this year, which he has been, he has had his hot moments, which of course I think everybody does at some point. But I'm just saying hopefully he can take that into the playoffs. Because a Yankees team with a hot Gary Sanchez could just be that much better. So yes, you hope they can correct all of those inconsistencies between the gameplay, the players themselves, and all of it. But beating Cleveland, they're really, really tough, Ron. I mean, they have Shane Bieber, Zach Plesac, and Shane Bieber's probably going to win the American League Cy Young this year. They also have Carlos Carrasco. They're mainly known for their starting rotation. You look at the offense, they have Lindor, Cesar Hernandez, Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes. So the Indians can be a scary team. If they were a team I would have to face, I'd probably have to say the White Sox. And I know some of you may be like, oh, well, why not the Twins? Well, because regardless of the Yankees' history of just killing the Twins every time they meet them in the playoffs, and I know they were still scary last year and the Yankees still beat them, but the Twins are a scary team this year. They really are, and I don't really want anything to do with them. For the record, if the Yankees were to face them, I think the Yankees would win, but right now, I believe in the Yankees' chances most if they were to face the White Sox. Because while Giolito's tough, and who knows, he could go out there and have a bad day. He's still a human being. But yes, Giolito's tough. You also 
also have Dallas Keuchel, but the Yankees in the past have gotten to Dallas Keuchel. You have the potential AL MVP, Jose Abreu, on that team. You have Tim Anderson. He's tough. He'll be finishing in second in the AL batting title race to DJ LeMahieu. But there are a good amount of guys in that lineup that I feel confident in the Yankees pitching dealing with. And they have a weaker bullpen. So yeah, although I think the Yankees could beat anybody if they're playing the hot brand of baseball that we all know they could play, including the Indians, I do think the Yankees probably have the best chance against the White Sox, despite their history with the Twins too, who they are not playing in the first round. But between Cleveland and the White Sox, I would definitely say that the White Sox are easier. And not for nothing, it kind of hurts all sides here when it comes to a team in the East facing somebody in the Central Division, because you got to remember something, none of these teams have seen each other all year. Eastern teams have only been playing other Eastern teams in their own division and in the other league. And the same thing goes for the Central teams and the Western teams. The Eastern teams haven't seen the Central teams. The Central teams haven't seen the Western teams. And the teams in different regions have not seen each other all year long. So that could also hurt all the teams involved here because they haven't seen each other all year long. There are just so many factors at work here. But speaking of a team the Yankees have seen this year, I don't even need to tell you or the Yankees how tough Tampa Bay is. The Yankees went 2-8 and eight against them this year head-to-head. We all know how tough they are, especially at the Trop, which is where the Yankees would be playing if they had to face them in the wild card round. And it would also be very interesting because of all the drama that took place between the two teams with the ball thrown at Michael Brasso's head and the whole stable of pitchers who could throw 98 miles an hour sort of thing that the Rays came back with after that. And the tensions between the two sides are just like at an all-time high. So although in everybody's heads, the series automatically goes to Tampa, that would be an interesting matchup. I do definitely think it's possible for the Yankees to beat them in that wild card card round, and boy, what an ending that would be to that rivalry this year, right? But from this discussion, I think it's obvious that no matter who the Yankees face, there are very positive attributes to all of their potential opponents. And despite their inconsistent and oftentimes very frustrating gameplay, the Yankees have plenty of positive attributes of their own, obviously. They have Garrett Cole, they have Tanaka for how he usually is in the playoffs, they're riding in with a hot Jay Happ right now, a promising young stud in Davey Garcia, when the lineup isn't blowing opportunities and they're playing to their highest potential, you definitely don't want to have anything to do with the Yankee lineup. And of course, at the back end of the bullpen with guys like Chad Green, Zach Britton, or oldest Chapman, and even Adam Adovino when he's on, you don't want anything to do with the back end of the bullpen. So we just went through all those teams for this one reply. And I think the point is here that no matter who they face, all of these teams have their positive attributes to them. And the Yankees are simply just going to have to get it done no matter who they face. And sure, you'd rather some teams over others, like I'd rather face the White Sox than Tampa. But regardless, Regardless of who they face, they're going to have to get the job done. If it's meant to be, they'll beat them and they'll do it. But I spent plenty of time answering that reply. I hope I answered it to your liking, Ron. But that's all for the Twitter replies today. Let's move on to Instagram and then we'll move on to Yankees news, recapping this past week's action. And I'll give one more final run through of the potential things that could happen as far as opponents for the Yankees after action is over today, heading into the wild card round on Tuesday. And speaking of the wild card round, that is kind of creepy to think about that since it's only best of three and it's starting on Tuesday, if the Yankees get eliminated, the season could already be over by the time I talk to you next Sunday. (laughs) That's a scary thought, and I don't know why I just put that into my head, but anyway, moving along, time to move on to Instagram to finish off the poll segment. God, I really don't know why I do that to myself. (laughs) 
Anyway, the question on Instagram, of course, is the same as Twitter. If the Yankees do in fact clinch the fifth seed today, how far do you think they'll go in the playoffs if you had to say? And of course, since there was four choices on Twitter and there's only two choices available for the Insta Story poll, I had to put the four choices into two. So the first choice was Wild Card or ALDS, and the second choice was ALCS or World Series. And just like it did on Twitter, optimism prevails yet again here on Instagram. Out of all of you who voted, here on Instagram, 68% of you say that they will make it to the ALCS or the World Series, so they will go very far and quite possibly even win it all. And then only 32% of you say that they will only make it as far as the wild card round or the ALDS. So let's hear a couple of replies from Instagram. First up, we have at Sean Shalinsky, and Sean says, if they play the Twins, they are in big trouble. And yeah, I agree. The Twins are really, really scary yet again. Great lineup, and they are a scary team to face, but if I had to guess, and again, so many things depend on what happens today for the 60th game of the year for everybody, but the Yankees are probably not going to face them in the wild card round. And although the Reds are a tough team too in some aspects, I don't see the Twins losing to the Reds today. I could be wrong, but I see the Twins winning that game. But even if they lose that game, so long as the White Sox lose too, the Twins are going to clinch the Central anyway. So if I'm wrong about that, then fine. So yeah, if the Yankees do meet the Twins, it's probably going to be a little bit later on in the playoffs. And yeah, they definitely definitely are a scary team to face, despite the history of the Yankees owning them in the past, but that's not relevant to now. The Twins right now are a scary team, and they would be a tough team to face. That's just the truth. Up next is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and Vic says, wildcard slash ALDS. If they wake up, maybe I'll change my mind. I'd like for them to prove me wrong. Well, yeah, that's what a lot of fans are feeling, and it's okay to feel that way. The Yankees have been very inconsistent and streaky this year, and time is definitely of the essence right now. And for their sake, Vic, I too hope that they prove you wrong. All right, and as always, we'll finish up lastly with my mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, although the Yankees have given us many opportunities to become disillusioned at their performance, I still believe in them doing it all this year. Call me a dreamer, but I can feel it for some reason. Will I be proven right, or will I be left disappointed? We will find out soon enough. Let's go, Yankees. That's right, Mom. We shall find out soon enough. And I completely agree with your response. But that is all for this week's replies for the poll on Twitter and Instagram, guys. As always, I want to thank you all so much for joining in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. As always, I greatly appreciate all the interactions. You know that. And you know the deal. If I didn't get to you, there were plenty of you I did not get to yet again this week. I do apologize, as always. But be sure to keep on replying in future social media segments, and you know I'll get to you. But great input for this week as always, guys. And we shall see what happens with our boys come the playoffs on Tuesday. But let's move on to some Yankees news from this past week. And this past week's Yankees news was a little bit slow, mainly because, as I said last week, when the injuries are basically done being spoken about, most of Yankees news is made up by injury news. And since there are no injury updates, that significantly cuts Yankees news. But there are a couple of things to talk about. First off, starting on Monday, there was an update on Chapman's suspension hearing. If you remember the suspension hearing, as I briefly mentioned yet again, before when talking about the Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays rivalry from this year. Well, this suspension hearing had to do with that, if you recall, because Chapman threw a fastball at Michael Brasso's head, if you remember, and we spoke about all of it immediately after it happened, but everything blew up between the Yankees and the Rays after that happened. Suspensions were handed out on both sides. Chapman was handed a suspension of his own, which he has appealed since because he has adamantly defended the fact that that was not done intentionally. It was completely by accident, so he has continued to appeal his suspension 
attention because he continues to claim that that was not done on purpose. And as of Monday, there was another update on the suspension, and the news was that the hearing for the suspension has been pushed back to 2021 because of, listen to this one, an issue with availability of witnesses? What? (laughs) I was just as confused as everybody else when this update came out on Monday. I was like, what does that even mean? Availability of witnesses? That's a bizarre reason to push back all the way to next year. But obviously, as I just said before, Chapman has filed multiple appeals, and that's why this is still going on. He still swears up and down that the pitch was completely by accident and was not done intentionally, so he hasn't even been suspended as of yet, as we know, because of this appealing, and now the issue has been pushed back to 2021 and will have to wait to be resolved until then. But availability of witnesses, that is just bizarre. But that's the update with Chapman. On Tuesday, a couple of roster moves were made. The Yankees sent down Michael King to the alternate site after he pitched on Monday, and they signed Tyler Lyons to a major league contract and brought him up, at least for now. You remember Tyler Lyons from last season, and they likely did this to get another fresh arm out there in the pen since King had thrown quite a bit of pitches the night before on Monday. But I had that feeling it would be short-lived, and it would be because then, on Friday, after a slow news week with the Yanks, Tyler Lyons was optioned back to the alternate site, and Miguel Yahore was recalled to the major leagues. But then, after yesterday afternoon's game, though, on Saturday, after he tossed two scoreless innings, Yahore was sent back to the alternate site as well, so that Clark Schmidt could come up and make his start today against the Marlins in game number 60. And the Yankees did officially announce today, bringing up Clark Schmidt to pitch today's game. And one last thing as far as news is concerned in Yankees news for this past week, it was announced that Giancarlo Stanton will not be opting out of his contract, the 13-year contract that the Marlins signed him to heading into 2015, and now has seven years and $218 million remaining after this season with a club option in 2028. The Yankees took on the contract, of course, when they traded for Stanton heading into the 2018 season, for those who don't remember. So, like him or not, Giancarlo Carlos Stanton is likely going to be in pinstripes for quite a while longer, and as expected, he will not be opting out of his contract. I can't imagine much of anybody thought that he was going to opt out of it, but now he has officially confirmed that he is not. And lastly, before we move on to weekly recap, really quick and recap the final week of this 60-game shortened regular season, I wanted to quickly do sort of a these days in Yankees history sort of a thing, given the names involved here and that they're two of my favorites of all time. And since two really important days of theirs passed in Yankees history this past week, I just wanted to acknowledge it really quick. But on Friday, September 25th, the 25th was the six-year anniversary, six years of Derek Jeter walking it off in his final home game at Yankee Stadium against the Orioles. I just can't get over that. Six years. That is incomprehensible how that much time has passed already. It truly feels like yesterday, especially for someone like me, who almost always has a complete inability to properly keep track of time, but just wow. I mean, I've said it many times on this show, but as I've said, Derek Jeter isn't only my favorite baseball player ever, but my favorite sports athlete overall of all time. And looking back on that night and basically every day leading up to the end of Derek Jeter's career, it was just really emotional, to put it mildly. Really, really emotional. And then on top of that, seven years ago from yesterday, Mariano Rivera pitched his final game all the way back in 2013, seven 
years ago. And I really just wanted to acknowledge these two days in Yankees history because, as I said before, these are two of my favorites ever. And on the anniversaries of big days at the end of their careers, I just really wanted to touch on that really quick. So, Jeter's final game at the stadium was six years ago from Friday, and then seven years ago from yesterday was Moe's final game, when Pettit and Jeter went out to the mound to get the ball from Moe, and it was just one of the most touching moments I've ever seen. Mariano just breaking down, crying in Andy's and Derek's arms, and I was basically a mess too. It was not easy for me and millions of other people, to say the least, to say goodbye to these guys. And both of their nights were so emotional, and the beauty of both of those moments for them were so deserved. So I just wanted to dedicate a couple of minutes to two of my favorites ever on those key days in Yankees history. Alright, before we wrap up today, let's recap this past week's action. And as we said earlier on in the show, although this past week was filled with more downs than ups, if you had to say, it was just really streaky and inconsistent gameplay, as we've seen for most of this season. Now, if you remember last Sunday when the Yankees were playing the Red Sox with their 10-game winning streak on the line, when I finished recording last Sunday's show, the Red Sox were winning 6 to nothing at the time. And the Red Sox went on to win that game by a score of 10-2. to So from when I finished taping last Sunday, the Red Sox ended up adding on four more runs, and the Yankees would end up putting just two on the board, one being on a run scoring on a Luke Voigt double play, and then in the ninth inning on a solo shot by Luke, so both runs are by Luke Voigt, and that solo shot was his 21st of this season. But again, the Yankees would lose that game 10-2, they would lose their 10-game winning streak, and also their 12-game winning streak against the Red Sox head-to-head, and as I said before, with the exception of Tuesday and the second half of yesterday's game, This would also lead to a mostly really bad baseball week for the Yankees to end the season. I don't know what's going to happen later today, but up until the second half of yesterday's game, other than Tuesday... Yikes. Not a good week of Yankees baseball, as you're about to hear. Starting with another visit to Buffalo. Another bad visit to Buffalo, that is. That place has been the house of horrors for the Yankees this year. And the last time they were there, they were able to squeeze out a victory, and they were in this series as well on Tuesday, as I mentioned. But other than that, another bad bad series in Buffalo. On Monday, as I mentioned before, Michael King took the mound. He had himself a pretty rough start. Two and two-thirds, five runs allowed, striking out six. He would end up being sent down to the alternate site after this start. Luizica would also pitch in this game. He would give up four runs, three earned in just one inning. So he and King back-to-back just did not work out on Monday. Nick Nelson pitched two innings, gave up a run himself. So did Chad Green. He gave up a run, pitching one and a third. And to finish off the game, Adam Adovino was the only one that didn't give up a run ironically this night. He pitched an inning and struck out two. And as you'll hear a couple of times in this weekly recap, as we've seen in a good amount of the games this season for the Yankees, the Yankees defense also made two errors and they would go on to lose 11 to five. Just overall, not a very fun night. It started off okay though, because believe it or not, in this game, the Yankees got on the board first on an RBI single by Gio Urshela in the top of the second. But then after that, the Blue Jays would immediately pile on. In the bottom of the third, Bo Bichette, RBI single, all tied up at one as this was when they started to get to Michael King, and Michael King had actually pitched a scoreless first two innings, but then, as typical in a lot of his starts or appearances, whenever he hits his third or fourth inning of work or so whenever he's out there, something just seems to happen to Michael King, and he just falls apart. And that was appropriate again for this game, because in his third inning of work, as you'll hear, he just fell apart. Then Teoscar Hernandez gave the Blue Jays a 2-1 to lead on an RBI single, and then Randall Grichuk hit an RBI single, making it 3-1. to Vlad Guerrero Jr., who just killed the Yankees, 
two-run double made it 5-1. to one. Then in the bottom of the fourth, Bo Bichette, RBI single, made it 6-1. to one. Teoscar Hernandez again, RBI single, making it 7-1. Lourdes Goriel Jr. hit into a double play, driving in another, making it 8-1 to one Toronto. Then Vlad Guerrero Jr. yet again, RBI double 9-1. to one. And then Randall Grichuk hit a solo shot to make it 10-1. to one. So the Blue Jays just absolutely bombed the Yankees on offense. 10 unanswered runs. Then in the top of the seventh, Gio Rochello would ground out, driving in one more. Glaber Torres would come home to score. It was 10-2 Blue Jays, but then the Blue Jays answered right back on a solo shot by Alejandro Kirk, made it 11-2, and then the Yankees would tack on three more in the top of the ninth. Mike Talkman hit a bases-clearing three-run double. I know, shocking, Mike Talkman did something. He was really dead for most of this season, too. But that bases-clearing double made it 11-5, and that's how the Yankees would lose. And then the next day on Tuesday, with the revitalized Yankee offense behind also a really, really good start by Garrett Cole, and I had a feeling the Yankees would win on this day because of Garrett Cole being on the mound, and I just overall felt good about the game. The offense was also facing Tanner Roark, who has just been really having a bad season. He also happens to be facing the Orioles in today's game on Sunday, so hopefully he could bomb really nicely against the Orioles, and the Yankees for sure could have the fifth seed. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's just focus on Tuesday for now. Garrett Cole on the mound, yet another great start for the Yankees ace. Seven innings, just one run allowed, seven strikeouts, and he just looked really, really good yet again. This would be his final start of the season. We'll obviously be seeing him again on Tuesday in game one of the wild card round, whoever the Yankees are to verse. But this was his last start on the season. This would result in him ending his season with the 7-3 and record, 284 ERA, totaling 94 strikeouts in just 73 innings this season, a whip under one, and that completes what I would say is a solid season for Garrett Cole. Really nice first season as a Yankee, especially in the strenuating circumstances of this really, really odd, never-before-seen 2020 season. So he would have a nice start, and despite not hitting any home runs in this game, the Yankees would bomb the Blue Jays in Buffalo by a score of 12-1. to Right away in the top of the first, Aaron Hicks, RBI triple made it 1-0 Yankees. Aaron Hicks would later score there on a wild pitch to make it 2-0. Then Gio Rochella in the top of the fourth, RBI single made it 3-0. Then the Blue Jays got on the board in the bottom of the fourth. It would be the only run they score off Cole and throughout the entire night. A solo shot by Kevin Biggio to make it 3-1. to one. But then the Yankees after that just piled on in the top of the fifth. RBI single for Aaron Judge made it 4-1. to one. Aaron Hicks again on offense. Two-run single making it 6-1 to one Yankees. Then Glaber Torres made it 7-1 on an RBI single. Then in the top of the eighth, Brett Gardner RBI single made it 8-1. And then Kyle Higashioka, a double off the very top of the wall, just missing a three-run shot, but instead it ended up being a two-run double, making it 10-1 Yankees. And then in the top of the ninth to round out the game, Glaber Torres hit an RBI single to make it 11-1. And then Gio Urshela would drive in the final run of the game to make it 12-1 on an RBI single. And after Garrett Cole finished his seven innings of work, Zach Britton and Adam Adovino would pitch the eighth and ninth innings respectively, each having scoreless innings, and the Yankees would win 12-1. to Adovino throwing another scoreless inning was definitely a positive, but as you'll hear for later on this past week, that would not last. So again, as I said earlier with Adovino, you gotta hope he gets it together for the playoffs too. The Yankees brought him here to get outs with those filthy pitches of his, that slider that moves like a frisbee, the fastball that has so much running movement on it, he's just so important. He has to get it together. And then on Wednesday, Toronto would return the beating. The Yankees had Tanaka on the mound. He didn't have a pleasant start. Four innings, eight hits, five runs, only three of them earned, striking out five. 
but a big topic of discussion on this game yet again, which also didn't help Tanaka, who was already off with his pitches that night, driving up his pitch count and forcing him to get extra outs, were the errors, and the Yankees made four of them. It just can't happen. Horrible, horrible defense. And it also didn't help that both of the guys who came out of the bullpen after Tanaka was done basically came in and just stunk up the place. Luis Sessa, an inning and a third, allowing four runs, three earned. And Tyler Lyons, an inning and two thirds, allowing four runs. And Eric Kratz, yes, Eric Kratz, the Yankees' backup catcher, after having to go out there and pitch just like he did on Sunday in Boston, had to come out and pitch the last inning again for the Yankees in this game, coming out to pitch the bottom of the eighth, so as to not waste any more arms in the Yankee bullpen. And despite displaying a mean knuckleball, Kratz did give up a run. But again, just a really, really bad game for the Yankees. The pitching was off, the defense was awful, the offense was lifeless, and it was just yet another example of the streakiness and the inconsistency of this Yankee team. In the bottom of the first, Vlad Guerrero Jr. just continued to kill the Yankees. RBI single made it one nothing. Then Teoscar Hernandez scored on a throwing error by Gary Sanchez, so that made it 2 to nothing, Toronto. And then in the top of the second, the Yankees would get their only run of the night, and it was on a passed ball by Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen. Luke Voigt came home to score. But then from there, it was all Blue Jays. Bottom of the third, Vlad Guerrero Jr. again. I feel like I keep reading his name over and over again, but it's not even over yet. That's the funny part. RBI double made it 3-1 to Toronto. Then Danny Jansen, batting under 200, but seeming to have a great time killing the Yankees this year. He hit a solo shot to make it 4-1 Toronto, then Randall Grichuk, RBI single, 5-1. In the bottom of the sixth, Vlad Guerrero Jr. grounded into a force out, driving in another, making it 6-1. Lourdes Goriel Jr., RBI single, 7-1. Travis Shaw, RBI single, 8-1. Danny Jansen was hit by a pitch, drove in a run, made it 9-1. Kevin Biggio, two-run double made it 11-1. Bo Bichette, two-run double himself makes it 13-1. And then in the bottom of the eighth, Danny Jansen again, just adding insult to injury. Second home run of the game, another solo shot made it 14-1, and that would be the end of that game. So the Yankees would head into Thursday, honestly, just looking to split the series at the very least. Really just trying to put the battle for second place in the East and the battle for the fifth seed in the American League seeding to bed. But they would not successfully do that because they would lose the last game in Buffalo and lose the series three out of four by a score of four to one. And at least they didn't give up 80,000 runs again, but they still ended up losing. Jordan Montgomery was on the mound again, and although it wasn't the best of starts, he still did okay. He went five and a third, only allowed three runs, and struck out eight, and the offense just really did not have his back. In the bottom of the second, Vlad Guerrero Jr. (laughs) You're probably just saying, how many times, Mike? Well, this is what happened. What do you want me to tell you? In the bottom of the second, Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a solo shot off of Jordan Montgomery to make it 1-0 Jays. And then in the bottom of the third, Bo Bichette, RBI double made it 2-0. Bottom of the sixth, yes, the Yankee offense still dead quiet up to this point. Bottom of the sixth, two-run double by Alejandro Kirk, who made it 4-0 Jays. And boy, did he have himself a hell of a series too. And then in the top of the eighth, the Yankees would put their one and only run up on the board on an RBI single by Gio Rochella to make it 4-1 Blue Jays. And as I said before, that would be the score that the Yankees would lose by. At least they didn't make any errors. <laughs> but they did make the big error of losing this series three out of four and continuing awful gameplay over there in Buffalo. I just hope, again, as I said earlier, I hope they never have to see that place ever again.
Playing there this year was a nightmare for the Yankees. But putting that in the rearview mirror, the Yankees would get the hell out of Buffalo and come back home to the Bronx to host a three-game set, the final series of the season, against the Miami Marlins. Now, Friday night's game... God, how irritating was this game. My goodness. Jay Happ would start this game, first of all. He would throw five innings of three-run balls, striking out three, and it was a pretty good start because all three of those runs were given up in the first inning. He would throw a scoreless second, third, fourth, and fifth. It was just a matter of the offense backing him up after he gave up those three runs in the first. And they would later on in the game, but then they would go on to lose an extra innings in the 10th by a score of 4-3 to three in extremely aggravating fashion. Again, with the defense, the Yankees making four errors. Four errors again. And on top of that, there was no help at all from the umpiring crew, particularly by home plate umpire John Tompain. What an awful game this guy had. I'm just going to say this, guys. I know that these people are human beings and there are going to be bad calls made at times. I understand that. But nobody has been more vocal about this than me, and I still stick by this. The umpires in Major League Baseball are a disgrace, and the only thing more disgraceful than them is the fact that nobody takes accountability for how horrible the umpiring is. I mean, you just look at some of the calls these guys make and say, my God, Ray Charles would do better. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Between the terrible calls on the base paths, the even worse calls behind home plate, and then... Tom Payne interfering with Wallach's throw, Wallach being the Marlins catcher, Wallach was trying to throw out Mike Talkman running to second, the umpire got in the way of it behind the plate, it was called umpiring interference, and it was ruled a dead ball, and the runner therefore cannot advance. I was beside myself. The entire game, the umpiring crew, what a disaster. I know that this is never going to happen, but I had to ask, and I even asked this on Twitter because I just had to blow up about it. I just keep on adding Major League Baseball and adding the Umpires Association, just asking, when is anyone going to take accountability for how horrible these umpiring crews are? They are atrocious. There aren't enough words in the language to describe how horrific these people are at their jobs. Millions of people forced out of work because of the pandemic this year, and most of, if not all of the Major League umpire and crew, I say most of because I try to hold out hope that there's at least one good one out there, but regardless, all of them somehow are employed. And many of them are nothing but antagonizing, arrogant boneheads. And I just had to get that out of my system because there were other problems in this game, yes. But the umpiring had me beside myself on Friday night, as it has had me for so many days in baseball because of how horrible these umpires are consistently. And it drives me absolutely up the wall, day in and day out, how there is no accountability on this. None whatsoever. Argue with me all you want. I don't want to lose the human element. I need the human element. Human beings should be officiating the games. Oh, be quiet. The time has come for robotic umpires, especially behind the plate. The time has come. Robo-umps, electronic strike zones, and get these dopes out of here. Just when is enough enough? <sighs> 
I just really had to let that out of my system because I've been holding that in since Friday. And if you follow me on Twitter, which you should if you don't already because that's where a good amount of my content comes from. But if you follow me on Twitter, you remember from Friday night how I was blowing up about that. It just really set me off. So this, the umpires, and just a combination of so many things just really made Friday night an aggravating game. The umpires, the lack of offense at times, the errors, it was just so aggravating. But as I said before, in the top of the first, that would be the only damage given up by Jay Happ, a three-run shot by Garrett Cooper to make it 3-0 Marlins. Then in the bottom of the third, the Yankee offense would find some life on a two-run double by Aaron Hicks to make it 3-2 Marlins. And in the bottom of the eighth, Aaron Judge would hit a bloop RBI single to tie the game at three. Now they headed into extra innings, tied up at three, and in the top of the tenth, giving up a crucial, crucial out. Kyle Higashioka, and I mentioned this very briefly towards the start of the show, botching a routine rundown between third base and home plate. Monte Harrison was running from third to home to third to home to try to avoid getting tagged out in the rundown. And he would successfully avoid it after Kyle Higashioka, running down to third, chasing Harrison down back to third, held the ball for too long and also threw the ball very badly when he did decide to throw it. So Harrison made it back to third when he should have been out and the Yankees probably should have escaped that inning not having allowed a run. But instead, that entire mess with the rundown would take place, and then Jesus Aguilar would hit a sacrifice fly to right, driving home the go-ahead run for the Marlins, making it 4-3. The run would not be charged to Chad Green, who was on the mound at the time, because we know that if the runner on second that got there because of the runner on second in extra innings rule, which is how Harrison was on base, if that run is to score, it is not an earned run towards whichever pitcher is on the mound. So although Chad Green gave up the run, it's not an earned run because of the runner on second in extra innings rule, and also because he probably should have been out in the first place if Kyle Higashioka didn't botch the rundown. So they took the lead there, and then the Yankees would not score in the bottom of the 10th after having a huge opportunity. Bases loaded, one out, DJ LeMahieu at the plate of all people. You just think the job's going to get done. And although he gets a pass because of how incredible he is, still frustrating nonetheless, especially for him, I have to imagine, he grounds into a game-ending double play, and the Yankees lose 4-3 in 10. So just an infuriating game. Four errors, horrible umpiring, both with umping itself and not knowing how to get the hell out of the way when a catcher's trying to throw a runner out at second, and the offense yet again blowing countless scoring chances. So yeah, as I said, throughout this past week, lots of frustrating things, lots of inconsistent gameplay, and mostly not fun baseball to watch. Fortunately though, particularly in the second half of yesterday's game, the Yankees would bounce back and even up the series. Davey Garcia was on the mound for his final start of the regular season, trying to bounce back from his only bad start that he's had this year in Boston last Sunday, and he really did bounce back. Six and two-thirds. He did give up four runs, but that fourth run came home after Adam Adovino came in for him in the seventh inning, and he allowed the run that Davey left on base to come home and score. So just when he himself was in the game, Davey Garcia gave up three runs and struck out seven. So it was a really good bounce-back start for the kid, I would say. Just like Jay Happ the night before, he gave up all three of his runs in the third inning, so he really only had one really tough inning. Adovino had to come in and get that final out of the seventh inning for him. He just pitched for that one out and gave up two hits and that one run that Davey left on base. So that run was charged to Davey and not Adovino. And then Yahore, who had just been called back up from the alternate site, pitched two scoreless innings, striking out four. With the other main story of this game being, in the second half of the game, the revitalized Yankees offense jump-started by none other, as I said earlier on in the show, than Tyler Wade. (laughs) 
I know, not who you would expect. But the Marlins did jump out first in the top of the third off Davey Garcia, as I said. Miguel Rojas hit an RBI double to make it 1-0. John Birdie hit an RBI single to make it 2-0. And then Matt Joyce hit an RBI single to make it 3-0. But then from here, with the exception of the Marlins adding on one more run in the seventh, it would be all Yankees. In the bottom of the fifth, this is when the offense woke up after a walk to Gary, a two-run shot by Tyler Wade, a nuke no less, to right field off the facing of the second deck to make it 3-2 to two Marlins, and then John Carlos Stanton would rope an RBI double into left center field to tie the game at three, and the Yankees wouldn't look back. Bottom of the sixth, Aaron Hicks, two-run shot made it 5-3, to three. DJ LeMayhew, who had himself a hell of a day going four for five and more or less sealing the batting title for the American League and likely for Major League Baseball overall, as I said earlier in the show. Two-run double for DJ made it 7-3, to three, and then a three-run shot. It would be the final home run for Luke on the year to even further solidify himself as Major League Baseball's home run leader. His 22nd of the year, three-run shot made it 10-3 to three Yankees, and then the Marlins would add their fourth run in the seventh, as I said before, on an RBI single by Matt Joyce. And then in the bottom of the seventh, DJ LeMayhew again. RBI single made it 11-4, and that is the score the Yankees would win by. So DJ having himself quite the day, clearly did not enjoy grounding into that game-ending double play the night before. And heading into today, Game 60. The game has some value today as far as seeding is concerned. As I said earlier in Yankees news, the Yankees are sending Clark Schmidt to the mound to face Jose Urena. And at this point, before we usually end, I would usually give you what's ahead in the schedule, but all that's ahead is Tuesday, when the wild card round starts, and we don't even know who the Yankees' opponent is just yet, as we said. It all depends on the Yankee game today, the Orioles and Blue Jays game today, the White Sox game, the Indians game, it all depends. We're about an hour away from game time now for the Yankees, so it's around 2 o'clock in the afternoon right now. And as it stands right now, the fourth seed belongs to the Chicago White Sox. The fifth seed belongs to the Yankees. The sixth seed belongs to the Astros, and they're not moving because they're solidified in second place in the West. The seventh belongs to the Indians, and the eighth belongs to the Blue Jays. Now, the fourth, fifth, seventh, and eighth seeds could be completely different by the time the day ends today. As far as the Yankees are concerned, there's only one way that they could be moved out of that fifth seed. They're a game ahead of the Blue Jays right now, and the only way they lose the fifth seed is if the Yankees lose today to the Marlins and the Blue Jays defeat the Orioles in their game, because that would result in the Yankees and the Blue Jays tying. The Blue Jays have the tiebreaker, and they would take the fifth seed in the seeding. They would take second place in the division, and the Yankees would would move down to eighth in the American League seeding. They would basically switch places, and the matchups would entirely change. If that were to happen, the Yankees would face the one seed, the Tampa Bay Rays, at Tropicana Field, and we all know how the Yankees tend to struggle at Tropicana Field, and how they've struggled against the Rays overall this year. That's not a matchup you typically want, but hey, if it happens got to get the job done. As I said before, all of these potential opponents have a lot of positive attributes to their club. So regardless of opponent, you just got to get the job done. But it is still worth talking about who their opponent could potentially be. And of course, by the time you're listening to this later tonight or later in the week, you already know who the opponent is by now. But I'm just saying this because I'm recording before action even gets started today. So that's what would happen with a Yankees loss and a Blue Jays victory. 
Now, for the Yankees to keep the fifth seed, all they would have to do is beat the Marlins today, because if they won, it's impossible for the Blue Jays to tie them and take their place in the seeding. So, if the Yankees won today, regardless of what the Blue Jays do, the Yankees clinch second place in the East, and they will also clinch the fifth seed in the American League seeding, even if the Blue Jays win today. And if they both lose, obviously things would also remain the same. The Yankees would finish in the fifth seed, and the Blue Jays would finish in the eighth, and the Yankees would be waiting on the Indians game and the White Sox game to see who they would be versing in the first round. And it would either be the Indians or the White Sox, depending on what happens with them and who takes the four seed, because the five seed versus the four seed. So if the White Sox win, they will clinch the four seed no matter what the Indians do, and the Yankees will be facing the White Sox. If the White Sox lose and the Indians win, the Indians would retake the four seed and the Yankees would face the Indians. Now, I happen to see this as the most likely scenario because the White Sox are facing the Cubs today, and there's a very good chance the Cubs beat them because the Cubs are a very good team. The Indians, on the other hand, they lost a bad game to the Pirates yesterday, and the Pirates stink. So I expect the Indians to bounce back today against the Pirates and beat them. And again, if that were to happen and the White Sox were to lose to the Cubs, then the Indians would retake the four seed. Therefore, the Yankees would face the Indians in Cleveland. Because regardless of who they face, the White Sox or the Indians, the Yankees are going to be on the road. Because as we've established, the best that the Yankees can do is clinch the five seed. And the five seed is on the road to whoever the four seed is. But of course, all this talk about the five seed against the four seed could all be for naught if the Yankees lose today and the Blue Jays win because then the Yankees would go down to the eight seed and have to face Tampa in the first round anyway. So again, the point of all of this is to remind you just how much could change after today's games. I personally think that regardless of how it happens, the Yankees are going to clinch the fifth seed today. And then I just told you before what I think will happen at that point. I do think the Indians bounce back today and end up beating the Pirates. And I'm predicting that the Cubs hold off the White Sox today, so I'm predicting the Yankees face the Indians. That's what I'm predicting. I could be totally wrong, and the whole thing could collapse. I don't know. As far as the Yankees' hopes to clinch the five seed, obviously the easiest way for that to happen would be for them to just beat the Marlins today and win the series and end the season on a high note. Carry that same momentum from the second half of yesterday into today and continue to take that through to the playoffs. So, if the Yankees win today, that's great. That's the momentum that you'd want to take into the playoffs. But if not, regardless of their opponent, once today's games are said and done, they've got to iron out their kinks. And most importantly, remember that come Tuesday, everyone is starting at 0-0. and It's a clean slate, and anything can happen. After today, everyone is 0-0, and and the chase for number 28 officially begins, whether it be in Tampa, in Chicago, or in Cleveland. And we ought to have a fun time no matter where it is, especially if it's in Chicago or Cleveland. The first game in Chicago would be Garrett Cole against Lucas Giolito. The first game in Cleveland, and God, what a matchup this would be, would be Shane Bieber, who's expected to win the American League Cy Young this year, leading in wins, ERA, and strikeouts, will face off against Garrett Cole. That has the potential to be one for the ages. And if the Yankees are to face Tampa, if they are to drop down to the eight seed, which again, I'm holding out faith that that will not happen because I'm hoping the Yankees could either just defeat the Marlins today or the Orioles could somehow get to the Blue Jays, especially since Tanner Roark is on the mound and he's had himself a pretty bad season. In which case, even if the Yankees do lose, hopefully the Blue Jays lose as well and they stay in the fifth seed. But if they are to drop down to eighth, and have to face Tampa, it would be Garrett Cole against Blake Snell at the Trop. 
another place, as we know for many years now, that is known to be an absolute nightmare for the Yankees to play in. But I think I basically lined it all up for you guys, all the potential scenarios that could take place as far as seeding after today is over, and I told you before what I think is going to happen. Whether that comes to fruition or not, I will be seeing in a few hours, and you probably already know of as you're listening to this later tonight. And as I also said earlier in the show, this is a pretty scary thought, but if the Yankees get eliminated in this upcoming wildcard series, which again is just best of three starting on Tuesday, then the season's over by the time I talk to you next Sunday on, and I'm sorry for those of you not into Star Wars, but because I'm a Star Wars diehard, I have to do this on episode 66. You get the reference if you're a Star Wars fan. I don't even need to go into it. So regardless of what happens, best of luck to the Yankees in the wild card series. And obviously, while it's going on throughout the week, be sure to keep track with me on social media. I'll definitely be live tweeting every second of each game. And just keep up with me on all social medias. It's going to be a good time. And hopefully, it is a series for the ages, regardless of where the Yankees play. But as for now, that is all for episode 65 of Yapping Yankees today. One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And also be sure to check out Grunt Talks. Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at Yankee Report 28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jeb for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also be sure to follow me on all social medias, guys, as I just said before, so you could keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, and obviously the Yankees, as well as Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram polls every Saturday. Follow me on Facebook at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter, definitely. That's where a good amount of my content comes from, as I always say. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And I'd also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 all the way up to this one, episode 65, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, guys. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, October 4th, when I come at you with episode 66 of Yapping Yankees, hopefully after a wild card series win and the Yankees being in the American League Division Series facing off against either the Blue Jays or the Tampa Bay Rays. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient. 
Please stay safe out there. Look out for your loved ones and enjoy this week's wild card series. I definitely hope it's one that we could look back on with much excitement and happiness. And as usual, I will be going along on the ride with you guys on social media all throughout. I am both so nervous and excited as I'm sure you are. Don't forget though, it's okay to have your concerns headed into October, but remember, everyone is zero and zero, clean slate, and anything can happen. Enjoy the wildcard series, guys. Take care, and let's go Yankees!